Today, all over the world, there are thousands of Sino-Soviet intelligence agents with money to burn, looking for unsuspecting targets for exploitation among members of our forces. and no one in the U.S. would. So she just, like, shuffled her, like, drooling, whatever, catatonic father onto, like, a plane and sent him out there. Yeah, yeah like, I remember hey, people yo. talking about her trying to, like, you know, take over the, the, the Peterson family business by getting him, you know, killed in some medical facility in Russia. <laughs> so, she can mean, rant, so she can rant about uh, trans people existing? Yeah. She's, she's hot. She, like, she's, she's got a market. That's... That's literally what Matt and I had just talked about was like <laughs> political views aside, we would all tap that ass. Right. Yeah. Being, like, including uh, as Peterson. objective as possible. Yeah. yeah. No, Peterson would fuck his own daughter. We all know it. And that's what kind of makes her less attractive to me, dude, is the weird relationship she has with her dad where he comments on her like bikini pics and whatever. Like that kind of like I can't see her and not think about that. that it just makes me feel queasy. I mean, for me, it's the opposite. <laughs> that, that energy right now. Like, yeah. I'm into it. Yeah. So, oh, uh, Pearson's all about that. Oh, um, I just want to let you guys know we are recording now. Um, all right. Ooh. Officially started. to avoid all legalities. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think Georgia's. A, I think Georgia's a two-party state, so I have to make sure um, you guys are aware that you're being recorded. A two-party state? Oh, I'm stupid. I thought you were referring to like politics. I was like, what does that have to do with anything? <laughs> no, we just have to know that you're recording us. Okay. Yeah. So when this ends up somehow in a lawsuit, there was no, like, you know, <laughs> no, nothing was uh, hidden. I am here against my will right now. Uh, you're not actually legally allowed to say that. I'm <laughs> being, I'm being. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah Cold. <laughs> Yeah, Cole's actually say, uh, in the same room, but he's like holding yeah. a gun to like, <laughs> like right off screen. Like every time you see me drift off to the left, like you see like a gun barrel kind of appear in his, <laughs> in his webcam. Like, like none, none of y'all can see this. You have like poster board cut out. Some guys holding a poster board with what to say on the front of it. Yeah. <laughs> I keep uh, looking off to the right and mouthing what. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Jordan Peterson's back. I can't wait for him to start his uh, pick up where he left off, which was I feel like I hadn't really heard anything relevant about Jordan Peterson since the Zizek debate. Like that was the last time where he got embarrassed. Basically, well, he got embarrassed, and then that put to, put him into a coma. He claimed, <laughs> and it was his wife yeah. getting cancer and all that. But we all know it was his ass getting handed to him. At yes. The him that having, was such a long time ago. Him admitting on stage that he's just like, like, you know, well, yeah, I've like, like doing that every, all that, the thing we all do when confronted about something we haven't read, like in school, just being like, <laughs> well, you know, I like skim through it. And it's like, no, like that, like I, if someone told me they hadn't read anything of it, I would believe them more than someone who'd said they skimmed through it. Cause that, that's the go-to excuse. Well, it's, Is it's that- even, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say, is that even worth? Like, so I never watched it. Is it worth going back and watching now? Like, or was it just sort of for the meme in the moment? I think it was actually pretty good. I as would far say it's as, worth like, it. Exposing Peterson's like total lack of like, like, like him really not understanding Marxism or or the the stuff he claims to speak on with authority. Like, it it it's 
it's worth it for that, I guess, if you're if you're curious about what Peterson actually looks like when he's not speaking to like a room full of like breathless, uh, like nineteen year old incels, like <laughs> like when he's not when he doesn't have his target demographic to just pander to. Right. Um, it's interesting for that for that reason, though. I personally can only handle Zizek talking in snippets. Um, just because oh the, the, leave the, leave my Slovenian the, the, no, daddy alone <laughs> mouth noises dude it, like it, leave it him alone I have very very mixed feelings about listening to Zizek talk like I love his books I think he's a brilliant guy but goddamn yeah. that dude cannot string a thought together while talking I don't know what yeah, it is it, I mean, there's there's one video of him and he's like in it's a, a TV program in Germany. And she is a fantastic like interviewer because she can like rank like the the problem with Zizek is like he's so chaotic that when he's talking it's just a bunch of nonsense like you said he can't string a thought together, but when he writes it's like very concise and you know very smart and he's a very smart guy but he needs someone to kind of like rein in that chaos a little bit and kind of steer the ship, and the problem that I find listening to him talk is most people aren't good at that. Like they're only good at asking him questions and they just let him respond. Well, he, if you just let him respond, he's going to go insane with it. So you have to have someone to kind of like, be like, all right, let's move on from this. You know? So yeah, I would say go back, go back and try to find maybe like a highlight of the debate or someone yeah, discussing it. Um, but the thing is, uh, since Jordan Peterson's been back, my YouTube feed has been filled with two year old, three year old Jordan Peterson videos. <laughs> And looking through it like today's lens and especially post Zizek debate, like we know him kind of for 12 years of life and his, his, his sort of alt light uh, things he says about trans people, but his like bread and butter is talking about the terrors of neo-Marxists and not just in his books, but in the classroom, like, even though he's a professor of psychology, he always constantly brings up Marxism and tries to tie yeah. it somehow to the psychological mind. And it's so weird to go back and watch those videos because when you realize he actually has never were, read Marx or Lenin or any communist writer and pretends to know all about it, it it's, it's kind of absurd like to see this man just talk and talk and talk and countless hours of videos talking about the dangers of Marxism when in reality you don't even know what Marxism is. And that's, that's a problem I see a lot with people on the right is they're so quick to point the finger and say communist Marxist, um, or of course I'm not a racist, but the thing is they don't know what communism is. They don't want to know what racism is. And I think if they took the time to even, discuss or figure out what those ideas were maybe they would change their minds um and i don't know i don't know why they don't but it's it's so weird because you can't like it's almost pointless to interact with those people because your definition of communism and marxism is completely different than theirs like your idea is informed by reading or listening to others talk about it their idea is informed by some weird ethereal, propaganda. Pro- literally propaganda. So I guess in, in that sense, in the sense of, you know, not having read Marx, not having a clear idea of what communism is, Jordan Peterson is like sort of like your classic uh, left Twitter shit poster in a way. Yeah, <laughs> I would, yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
Okay, y'all, let's talk about how problematic Marx is, okay? <laughs> when you yeah. talk about this white cracker. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, PSYOPs, basically. He's no different than, Oh, like, speak, speaking of yeah. which, we have, a, we have a CIA asset on today's show. We have a CIA asset, Y2K truther, the young man 6669 himself, <laughs> Toto. That's right, yeah, my handler let me out. He said I could do a few <laughs> PSYOPs uh, on this podcast for a little while. <laughs> You gotta go, dude. You gotta do what I do. I go freelance. I just wear wire all the time, <laughs> and I record every interaction I have, and I just send it to every agency. And you know, none of them have gotten back to me. But when they do, <laughs> I'm going to hit the jackpot. Well, here's the thing, man. They have me, you know, hopped up on too many experimental uh, hallucinogens <laughs> to even put a plan like that together. Mm. I'm constantly just sort of dissolving into, you know, pieces of mind and that sort of thing. <laughs> Yeah, is it every, is it worth it to become like a operative just so I can get my hands in those drugs that like replace your blood with like dolphin blood or something? Well, here's the like, thing: you get that, and then you also get the truth about Y2K, which is okay. the, corner, the cornerstone of my my personal Marxism. <laughs> you want to expand on that? <laughs> I don't, I, there's no way I can riff something that like that out too quickly, man. I don't okay. know. I posted. I posted. Uh, I wrote like a notes app thing trying to link like, I don't know, Y2K with the matrix and whatever that I did okay. for like a thousand followers. It was fucking nonsense. I don't know. I have fun <laughs> with it, It's fun. <laughs> I had a professor one time who I was in a class and it was world history from, I don't know why that it is, but it's like world history from beginning to like, like 1500 or something. Yeah, that's usually called. how they split up. And so uh, th we had two classes that were about how uh, he's like, watch this. Look at how the towers fall. That's that's planned demolition right there. And he, and this is a world, this was a world history class from beginning to 1500. And we had two classes on how 9/11 was. Two classes. Yeah, that fucking rules. That's hilarious. He couldn't fit it all in one. It it bled over into another class. We we blew through. The, the 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 name of the class in like the first three classes and then he's like all right so we're going to talk about the civil war it's like wait a minute what like this is after 1500 what you know that's well, like on on the syllabus where it said you know 11 to you know the crusades it's like it's like you guys thought we we're going to talk about saladin and richard the <laughs> first we are but not in the sense that you thought. Now here, here's I'm gonna I'm gonna take the eagle of Saladin and look look how familiar it looks, right? Palestine, their symbol, it looks pretty good. And and guess what? All three of them look like. He did kind of tie the Nazi in flag. Anyway, go ahead. he did kind of tie in the Crusades with 9/11, though. To be honest, like oh, that, that is of kind of like hitting the nail on the head there. Yeah. Yeah, because anyone with a, a true historical understanding of the Crusades know that that's yeah it's the same thing. I was like, this Isn't, guy's a, uh, even though it's a community college, like I was like, this guy's a tenured professor here. <laughs> he's just been teaching this shit. He's for never 20 leaving. Years. That guy yeah. knows How did he's the never leaving. react to it? Uh, well, apparently we were all like, okay, yeah. But like one guy, he's like a, he was a history major and he was one of my friends and he was like, this dude's classes are all the exact same class. He's like, I had, <laughs> he, he said, I had a, yeah, it's 9-11 truth all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, it's like uh, Matt, 
you take his class and then it's like, okay, he's teaching class on like whatever, um, you know, the French revolution, 1789 to blank, whatever and you walk in and it's just first slide. All right. <laughs> Picking up where I left off. <laughs> it just never ends. Like, I mean, doing... this guy was so planned. The the nine eleven uh, truther classes were his most planned classes, and he was so passionate. He's like, "Open your eyes, people! I'm not telling you that there's something going on. I'm just saying that you guys need to think for yourself." This guy, he's I I, I in my heart, I, this guy is doing. All his classes are part of one class, which is red. It's like you know, red pill one hundred and one, right? It's like, and if and if you if you show up, you take any of his classes, you're showing up in the middle of his one course he actually teaches. Like, <laughs> and if you're if you don't know, understand, you got to catch up. You know, like you're gonna get in there. It's like he starts with 9/11. You get in there, and he's like, okay, folks, adrenochrome. You know. Like, yeah. Will the uh, will George Bush doing 9/11 be on the test, <laughs> professor? <laughs> he's like, yes, the test of life. You look at the you look at the syllabus before the course starts, and it says prerequisite is watching Zeitgeist Part One and Part Two. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> required readings are just like, um, like fucking Lyndon or Larouche or whatever. That's a guy. That's, That's a good guy. reference. Yes, <laughs> fucking bow down. I know that. So speaking of nine eleven being an inside job, are you guys right. psyched for Jelaine Maxwell to die next week at some point? <laughs> I, I'm. She's gonna be psyched fine, for. Oh, you think she's going to be fine? Yeah, she's going to be fine. Dude, I mean, I don't know. I feel like people were talking about this, but you have to imagine, like, she would be out of the country by now if she, like, was really trying to not be arrested. Like, with all of the contacts she 100% has, Mm -hmm. I mean, she she would be out of the the reach of the U.S. if she wanted to be. Like, I think what she's going to do is clear her name. Like, she's going to clear her name, clear the names of fucking, I don't know, Alan Dershowitz, some other... Some other sort of yeah. like rich, connected people, and then that's going to be the end of this. Like, I, I, this isn't this isn't going to be nearly as dramatic as like either you know exposing the whole conspiracy or ending in her death. I, in my opinion, yeah. it's interesting. Like, because I, I'm pretty sure, like when this first was happening, when that like um, when she like basically disappeared, and that like weird photoshopped in and out photo was uh, like like thrown thrown out there. I like I heard that she was like in Brazil or something. That's like where they had traced her like cell phone. Like the last thing she had, like last call she had made was in Brazil. So it's you know, I don't know if she had like been there this whole time and came back or has been in the US the whole time under our noses or whatever. But um yeah, that's interesting, like the theory because like there are so many guys out there at this moment, like Dershowitz, like Steven Pinker, like anyone who's ever been fucking um, photographed with her who are, um, you know, kind of frothing at the mouth to get their names. Like Dershowitz has been like unprompted just being like, yeah, I hope Epstein has videos of kids getting raped because guess what? You'll never see my face on there. Um, and it's just like, yeah, she could be a useful tool in sort of getting, and like basically clearing the way for these guys who are already sort of high profile figures so they can keep doing what they do without, you know, say having like some like guy on Twitter tweet at them saying, here's you and this lady together. Isn't that weird? And then they have a fucking hissy fit over it, Elon Musk. But um, <laughs> Matt, you were just saying something, I think. Oh, no, I was just, uh, I was, yeah, I was just asking uh, about whether we thought she was actually going to die. Like, I, I think I, I think I'm yeah. more inclined to believe that, like, yeah, I think um, 
because like you said, she uh, probably would have been out of the country. Like, like she's so well connected that she probably would have left that she, she probably was, I don't know. She probably was in hiding for a minute to let like all the Epstein stuff kind of die down. And then she kind of cut a deal with them immediately. Like maybe they were hiding her or something. I don't know, but they kind of like cut a deal immediately with them to, to like exonerate themselves, you know, um, that way when she comes out and she says, you know, uh, whatever she says, you know, Epstein did it by himself or it was just like these people just like give him some scapegoats or something. Then people, you know, you know, like the more less inclined to like believe proof people, I guess would be the best way of saying it. Yeah. Like the people who don't believe in this like satanic cabal of pedophiles or whatever. Um, those people will be like, yeah, that it was just a couple of people. That's right. Like it was just it was just Epstein and just Ghislaine and you know just a couple of other people. It, it was not like any of our like problematic faves, right? Like Margaret Atwood. Now <laughs> I saw. Wait, is she one of the ones implicated, or was that the like, Harper thing? N- um, no, it was uh, like True and on just like found a tweet that. Margaret Atwood had made in like 2011 to an account that looks like it was belonged to Ghislaine Maxwell. Like the, the username was like Gmax, Gmax yeah. or whatever with like her face in the profile. Okay. And it's just like, what? <laughs> like, like just like just out of like out of nowhere um, connection there. Um, my only like thought is that maybe that account at the time was di- like had a different at or a different name or whatever. Mm-hmm. that she was replying to but i don't know how that, i don't know how that works i know like um you you can change like your name but i don't know if your at would would be the same thing anyway but yeah you can, cha- yeah, you can change your at josh changes that yeah, i changed my at like, i know you can i know you can i just don't know if it would show up um, like you know after all that time or if it would stay the same even if you're at a chain since then i don't know yeah i know with your your user your name your display name that will happen like if you like a tweet from an account with like a certain name like like one guy was pretending to be like like whatever elon musk and he had like his name and you know was tweeting out as if he was elon musk but then like he changed his name and then but my likes were still on that account i don't know how that works but okay but anyway, it's still head scratching. And here's the deal, dude. I'll go ahead and disagree with myself. Like she could very end, like very well end up dead. Like she could also yeah. very well end up like it could be that it's a lie that she's in fucking custody. Like yeah. when you're when you're like trying to look at the intelligence community, you know, in any real sense, when you're trying to like make sense of what they're doing, even get a, just a real sense of what they are doing. I mean, it's a hall of mirrors. Like yeah. <laughs> Anything you look into dealing with the intelligence community, man, you're never going to get a real answer. Um, so, I'm just, so who the fuck knows? I the confusing part for me is New Hampshire, right? Like she – they found her supposedly in just chilling in New Hampshire. Live free or die, baby. And, <laughs> and so she probably – like you said, she probably did leave the country. Um, it, I Honestly, it would be weirder if she did die. Like it, that would be weird. Um, I think Toto, what you said is probably very accurate on how it's going to play out. Um, which kind of sucks. Cause it's like, we should have gotten it right the first time with Epstein and, but okay. The part that's concerning now is rumor has it. I don't know how confirmed this is, but she's being sent to the same exact prison Epstein yes. died in. Yes. 
And I'm like, can we not just, can we not like send her anywhere else? Why and she has, and she, she has COVID too. They said that she had COVID. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like kind of suspicious. Which I guess. we all know I, she got from the 5G. No, I think that was a satire site that put that out. Oh, really? Yeah. I well, if we're thinking of the same link, because like I don't think there was anyone else reporting on it. I think that was a satire website. Yeah, you can never tell nowadays, right? Like the onion, the onion is indistinguishable from actual news now. They're predicting news. Yeah. Uh, Can I say something? So, okay, this is related, but um, well, yeah, it's it's totally related. Um, I was watching Nightmare on Elm Street um, with my girlfriend the other day, uh, and there's a scene in the movie. So, like the like the first murder, right, is like Freddie kills a girl, and she's with her boyfriend at the time. So he kills her. Then the boyfriend's just like there, like covered in blood or whatever. So the cops think he did it, and so he gets put in jail, right? But then. Um, you know, like uh, the other characters, they know the truth. So they're trying to like get to him and free him before Freddie kills him. Right. Cause he's just stuck in prison. And, you know, the way he dies is that, you know, Freddie, as he's sleeping, like becomes like a, you know, anthropomorphic bed sheet, like, and hangs him in the cell. And I'm like, this is Epstein right here. Like, I'm surprised that these motherfuckers didn't go like Epstein found hanging. And it's like, it's weird. He'd been complaining about dreams about a man in a striped sweater and a fedora, you know. <laughs> so stop asking questions. It was Freddy Krueger. Like, mm. I feel like that's gonna happen. Like he wrote. He wrote. Uh, yeah. He wrote pizza in in his own blood. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like you know they're gonna like yeah I I've you know I don't know. I will tell you though all the. Time. All the all the podcasts that do nothing but talk about Epstein, trutherism, and stuff like they are they're gonna field day with Ghislaine, or they're probably already having a field day with Ghislaine, right? Being I mean, like, even before this, you know. yeah. So, yeah. What else on the docket, Joshua? What what else has um, been going also, on in the world? Also, in current events, um, so. Hamilton has has come up it's again to the, yes. because I guess it's is it on a streaming service now? It's on, on Disney. Disney Plus, yeah. yeah. Which I don't have, so I'm not they cut watch out. It. They cut out like a bunch of f words or something. Wait, wait, you're well. telling me they they curse in Hamilton? Yeah, uh, Walt Disney Corporation while they were just like murdering their child slaves were throwing up in a bucket because <laughs> Hamilton because because uh, Puerto Rican Hamilton was like saying the f word or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I've never seen Hamilton. So. so have any of you guys actually seen Hamilton? I've no. I've heard some of the music from it and it's real bad. It's uh, if you in, if you like and I'm not like a massive hip hop head, but I do enjoy every now and then uh, some hip hop. And if you are even sort of a passing fan in that genre, you'll recognize like the exactly it's like you'll know exactly what the problem is when you hear Hamilton, which is just, it's trying to be informational rap. It's like all those like stories, all those rap like songs from the eighties that were like trying to tell a story. Like I woke up in the morning and I went to the principal's office and I went to the, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like a story that's being Mm -hmm. rapped and it's most of them except for like in the rare occasions. You got what I need. Like there are rare examples where like, you know, like ice cubes, like it was a good day, like that type of song, but like, you know, done 
very tediously and like very sort of like in a like a procedural like we're just going to tell this thing over the course of this song uh, and i'm pretty sure there's a there's a song that plays on the 10 crack commandments if i'm not uh if i'm not forgetting which is just like like die like like just die in a fire like leave biggie alone like leave like just like just like ruin your own shit just don't touch this you know um anyway so my problems with that you know historical revisionism aside is that they are um uh you know and also it's very clearly a rap design for like white people like which you know doesn't have to be bad but it, it a lot of times is so I mean, imagine your common, your average theater goer. It's someone who can afford that yeah. price point and is one even interested in musicals, which isn't saying like people of color can't be interested in musicals. It's just predominantly white, white dominated. And so, uh, you know, like liberals, especially look at Hamilton and they say, it's so awesome. Like it's just people, all people of color, mostly except for like King George, I think he's white, but like all people of color playing the founding fathers isn't aren't they rolling in their graves? Like, man, black people playing them. Ooh, that ended racism. And it's, I think, I think that's almost, it's sorry, Matt, I'll I'll get to you in just a second, but that's also the the downside of it. Because if we do look at the founding fathers, they weren't some like, like taking the founding fathers and seeing them anything as white supremacists, like rich landowners, is yeah. kind of like Cole said, revisionist history and romanticizing a period that honestly, especially considering our current events, needs to be looked at very critically. Like yeah. we need to break off this love affair with the founding fathers and a lot of our famous white figures because most of them were assholes, pieces of shit, raped their slaves and uh, didn't give two fucks about the poor or black people. Um and so that's why Hamilton kind of, in my opinion, does a disservice a little bit towards that because it is romanticizing patriotism, which isn't a good thing. Uh, go ahead, Matt, what are you going to say? Yeah, I, I was going to say that's that's the biggest problem with it, I feel, is that it, it uh, you know, you can enjoy, like, enjoy what you enjoy, who cares? But, like, also, I think the biggest, like, cultural problem with Hamilton is that it takes, like, it takes this idealized version of america that like i mean honestly let's be let's be honest like white people created the myth of the founding fathers being this completely virtuous like freedom for all and liberty and justice and all this stuff like we're taught in school when we like you know place our hands over our hearts and you know pledge allegiance to the republic uh you know we're taught this like history and it's like a fake history and and the biggest problem with hamilton is that it like it sterilizes it in a way that uh, uh, is more like palatable for like, you know, like people of color or like, I'd say like the the target audience is white liberals themselves because like it's showing that like the founding fathers were still great, but also like how great are the founding fathers now because they're people of color, which is like, like, again, you said totally revisionist because the founding fathers, like we shouldn't have this like love affair of, uh, the founding of America because America was built off of racism and built off of slavery. Right. Um, and I think that by sanitizing that you're doing a, a great like historical disservice to p- 
people of color because they have been historically and, and they still are oppressed in America. And you're just saying that, oh, these these guys are actually still great men. Right. That's like that's the whole thing of Hamilton is that Hamilton is still saying that that these people that we've been told all of our lives are great. They're still great. And it's just it's fun. and It's hip hop. And it's like, oh, look at them. Yeah. They can be, you know, part of the cool kids, too, or whatever. But it, 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 uh, it I think it just does a great, great disservice. And I think we need to like I think it st- stifles the conversations that we need to be having, which is, you know, America's like like America's always been racist. It, racism didn't just randomly spring up because Donald Trump became president. You know, it, it wasn't like Donald Trump made America like the worst, like hell place to live in. It's just America has always been like this. And it's just, you know, whether it's under the surface with like, you know, oh, Obama, like he's going to smile at you and shake your hand, but also drone strike kids in the Middle East or, you know, stuff like that. So that's my two cents. Okay. Um, r- really quickly before we move on, um, I have thoughts. Josh, oh, go ahead. Okay. Go. Oh, we didn't hear from you're, Toto either. Toto, what's captain, your dude. what's your thought process on the whole Hamilton discourse? If you what's have my one. take, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't have much of a take. Like, I don't yeah. give a fuck. the The music is corny. <laughs> like, my coworker like showed me some songs. I didn't love them. You know, mm-hmm. fucking like what you like. Like a lot. You know, very liberal of me. Um, you know, <laughs> like I mean, I'm just like you know my media tastes aren't, aren't perfect. You know, like I, I probably like some art by people that aren't, that aren't, you know, fucking fantastic upstanding citizens or people that, that have some like, you know, uh, pretty uncool ideologies. Um, I think what, what the real problem with Hamilton is though, is that, uh, Hamilton himself was the orchestrator of Y2K. And I don't think we talk about that enough. <laughs> um, he was the one that actually sort of got us plugged into the AI matrix that is feeding off of our souls now. And I, I frankly right, don't think right, a yeah, musical yeah. about him glorifying him in that way. I just don't think that's cool, especially to ignore his role in Y2K. I don't think that comes up in Hamilton once. No, it, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't. And frankly, it's, it's fucking bullshit. I gotta say <laughs> like Hamilton should end with like a, like the lights go down and then they, they raise back up again, raise back up. They come back on. Uh, and, uh, it's like, like Hamilton, who's like at this point, 250 years old being wheeled out and they're like, you know, sir, these experimental, uh, you know, injections of like slave blood has been keeping you alive so far. Um, but you know, the computers, they're like fucked up and he's just like, we're going to do the matrix, mm-hmm. put me into the matrix. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's and like, that's Hamilton's quote. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> wrote, that, wrote that in the original Declaration of Independence. At the very end, it's like, P.S., we're going to do the Matrix. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Matrix 2 reloaded. That's right. But not revolutions. Nope. Cool. What were your uh, quick thoughts? Oh, my. yeah, again, I don't, don't think it's some big um, – like liberals uh, uh, take art and make it um, – like, you know, a politics isn't downstream of art. Like it's um, it can be like a like a, a product of like the, the current like discourse and like political mindsets and such. But as far as um, yeah, I don't see it as a, a big Titanic battle to wage. I do find it annoying. And I find Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda annoying specifically because his shit like every time he's asked about why he makes it he gives us the exact same thing the myth like the mythological um you know like uh founding father bullshit 
And he's like, you know, Hamilton was an immigrant. I'm like, yeah, from a fucking like, like, like sugar colony. Like, he's like, he did, he, he spoke French. And I'm like, yeah, because he was like the second son of like a fucking sugar plantation. And, and he wasn't gonna get what he wanted. And him home. and Chuck Wendig did a uh, soy face over um, trying to fuck over the internet archive, which uh, me again, like. You know, I've said that before, like one of the only good government services are the libraries. So, like, you know, just the, him and his like shitty Star Wars books and then Lin-Manuel Miranda just soy facing with Chuck Wendig and pictures yeah. is not. I saw also, you posting about libraries the other day. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, as, a, as a librarian, stand up for us. Oh, nice. We have a we have a real essential worker here. Yeah, I'm an essential worker. I have not lost my job. So I guess oh, in yeah. that sense, I'm part That's of the labor really aristocracy. Cool. Yeah. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that. Um, yeah, that you haven't. Obviously, but that's cool. That's amazing. Like I said, you're. You're. Are you part of a? Uh, are you part of a, a like a public library or where do you, where do you? Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah I, so you're I, one I, of the. I'm. I'm still a, a library intern. I'm. I'm getting my my degree in library science right now. Um, oh. But okay. uh, awesome. yeah, yeah, it's fun work. Yeah, it's important work too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and this is actually my first time. I mean, now I'm getting kind of serious because it's cool. Um, <laughs> uh, this is my first time actually working in a public library before mm-hmm. this. I had always worked in like archives and whatever, which, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is usually not for like for the public. You know, it's for the public, but people don't know yeah. about it. It's not like a community resource in the way that, that public libraries are. Mm-hmm. And I like it has been like such an amazing experience, like learning how public libraries work. And like I, they really are like one of the last great, like truly like public institutions that are like they're, they're there to help you get a job, like mm-hmm. to educate yourself. Fucking you can just come chill. Like it's it's a, it's an awesome space. Free, yeah, I, free. Sorry, Matt. Uh, like I think all of us can relate to like like. We remember Blockbuster, right, being so great because it was an experience. But going to the library was like, for me, before yeah. Blockbuster, mm-hmm. it was free movies there, free books, free internet. And it's all the shit that is one of the most socialized things about America. And, like, most of my, like, media intake as a kid wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for yeah. the library. And those... Like people trying to get rid of it or get rid of the, especially the post office. It's like, yeah. okay, now you're just stripping away one of the few public works that we have. And, mm-hmm. and I know even like growing up, not being super affluent, but like, um, I imagine for some people, the library is the only option for yep. their kids. It's like, yeah. they probably, most people, like a lot of people can't afford cable. And you think, oh, Netflix, like everybody has Netflix, but I'm sure there's pe- plenty of people who don't have Netflix who the library is the one thing they rely on. It's like, and especially in today's job market, you have to have a computer mm-hmm. to, to do anything and yep. not everybody has a computer. So the library provides that service, free internet access. And it's yeah, like I- all these things that are actually, like you said, Matt, essential mm-hmm. happen in the library. And granted, I haven't been into a library in quite some time, but I still remember like how important it was growing up for me. Yeah, I'll, I will always defend libraries because like as a person, like a little bit about me as a person who was like not quite comically poor, but like almost comically poor, uh, the library, I, we didn't have internet growing up and the the library like helped me get my first job. And yeah, it was an internet resource. Like every time I needed the internet for a school project, I had to go to the library. And like reading 
like, you know, reading is really important to me. So like a lot of the books that I read, um, at a younger age now, I just like, I mean, you can kind of see my bookshelf over there, but I just like kind of buy books now. But a lot of my books that I've read were from the library and a lot of the movies, like, yeah, I really enjoy watching movies and a lot of movies that I've seen have been from renting them at the library. And so like, you know, I mean, you saw my tweet, like I was saying, I think it's like, it's so, it was so such an important experience like in my life. And I, I hate that, like, like people, people just don't understand that. Right. Because they come from a, a, a time and an economic background where it's like, Oh, well I could just buy all my books off of Amazon yeah. or I could just rent, I could just pirate all my movies or whatever. But like, there are still people who don't have the internet and there are still people who can't afford to, to read like books and stuff. And, and like you said, the library is, one of the last great like public institutions and unfortunately it's being like like all great public institutions is being fucking done away with by these these people who are like super villain fucking wealthy right? yeah. like the comically wealthy like jeff bezos like we should just replace them with amazon centers where you can buy books yes. like who've been fuck? like just like, like like yeah exactly like just drunk from the the um like the cup of like privatization and how like, yeah. And, and like, uh, to some extent, I don't blame some people for making that jump because well, everything else is sort of privatized. Like, and you've been told that this is the best way to do things that private, um, like firms handling things are the best. And if you believe that, if you're someone who thinks, well, America's the best and we privatize everything. So like, you know, it's like, that's the natural conclusion. If you aren't being disingenuous, the natural conclusion is to go, well, yeah, it's stupid. We have these public things like that's dumb. That's the bad way to do it. That's like the, the socialist way to do it. So get rid of them. Like at least that means you're not holding contradictions in your head. You're at mm -hmm. least applying them the way that like anyone who's being logically um, consistent would apply them. So I, I understand that. Um, I was going to say though that, yeah, um, uh, for me, like, uh, especially in like, uh, in college and university, like the library was, I mean, in undergrad, I was like the typical like shit, like I'd never went to the library except for like the last year, like, you know, I actually applied myself. Um, but in, in grad school, like my favorite, like it was great. Like I go to the library at like, as soon as like, I like, you know, I get in there at like, or like afternoon, I'd stay there all night. I would do shit. Like I, you know, do research re like in just being surrounded by books and, and other shit, which is really cool. Like I, I, it was one of my favorite experiences because it just felt like I was in my natural element. Um, and I remember like, and it was in, um, you know, where I went to grad school, our, our library was open to the public. So, um, and it was for like three fourths of my time there it was open 24 hours. And then like, um, like one semester, they basically were like, um, we don't want to staff it from like six to, or, or from like, um, whatever, like 4am to, to 8am. So that's not going to be a thing anymore. But, um, and so, yeah, so people from the community could come in and it was all free. So you could come in, uh, rent something. And, um, and there was a, I remember, um, there was a guy who were basically be in the library the same hour as I would be. And I was fascinated by him. Right. Because I, I I'd walk around, I'd go to like the bathroom, I go get a book or something and he'd just be there like, you know, have his boots kicked off, like his Carhartt jacket slung over the back. 
and he'd have like three Mountain Dew bottles, like all of them <laughs> empty next to him. And he'd just be walk watching like, like, you know, like monster truck compilations playing like flash games where you just like shoot people in a turret or whatever. Um, like a couple of times it was just movies. Like he was watching like eighties action movies and he'd be there like the entire time I was there. I'd get there at three o'clock. I'd leave it like after midnight. He'd be there, there the whole time. Um, and I just wanted to be like, what is, I want to know his deal. Like, what is he doing? You know, <laughs> that's and, like, a dream time, right there. Honestly, though, just like kick yeah. off your boots, take your Carhartt jacket, monster trucks, you know, and I just thought, a bunch of, it's like spike TV became a person, right? <laughs> no, exactly. It was all spike TV content. And I never saw him doing schoolwork. So I thought he might've like, I thought, Oh, it was a student. He just comes here to like mess around or whatever. But then like my dumb brain realized He's probably like he lives nearby and probably comes in here like to use the internet for free and to like you know do whatever right because he probably doesn't have access to it or if, it's, if he does it's too expensive or whatever right so he comes in here gets free Wi-Fi gets to go on the internet for the entire day and I'm like great awesome I, I like that he can come and do that yeah uh, despite the fact that I creeped on the entire time <laughs> I would just be I would be like lurking in the that, back being like what's he watching now yeah I do want to restate though Toto that's incredible I'm, I'm so I'm so uh, happy that there that I know a, a librarian that's so awesome <laughs> dude. yeah there's a there's a few librarians around left Twitter um I'm forgetting who they are right now but like i've met several um you know i mean i think it's a pretty like natural job to seek out as someone who does hold like left-wing views or values um it's like it's a nice place where like you know you can get by and also like help people and you know usually people who are on the left i mean i'd like to think that 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 kind of person likes to read so yeah it's just it's a good thought occasionally occasionally um, i think the the library is like the prototype for how the internet really should play out because we've seen what privatization of the internet has done uh just talking about isps you know like the fact that internet today is behind a paywall is absurd and the rates like fine if you want to charge money for internet obviously someone has to pay for it but Make it a public good. It should be free. I think a lot of other countries it is free, that it is a public service, that you can go anywhere in that country and there's free Wi-Fi everywhere. Um, and it's that's usually thing. better. Like, oh, yeah, on, we have like one of the worst internet connections in the world. Like um, in a lot of countries. Um, two is like you talk about paying – like even if you pay for the best, like – so where I live, um, the it's like a rural, pretty rural area, right? And but you can buy like you know my family has the the big the Comcast like like whatever platinum dick uh, best shit you can buy uh, internet. But the thing is, what they don't tell you, right? What's in the fine print is that uh, like they'll, they'll promise speeds of up to whatever, right? But that's only for the infrastructure is there. And the thing is, is that the infrastructure is not out here. Like we don't have the the high speed cables or the or the or the whatever the fiber, right? We just have like your typical podunk uh, shit, right? So um, it's been like years of like our internet just being kind of shitty, like being okay at best and then just cratering. Like you guys, like, yeah, like it, like it's a fucking coin toss if it'll crater in the middle of something. And they're just, every time we call them out there, they're like, 
oh, actually, your internet's super cool and good and, like, is awesome, and you should stop fucking calling us. And it's like, no, it sucks, and you intentionally set it up this way, so we're paying, like, 150 bucks a month, probably, for internet that is, like, like my girlfriend, like, her place, just as rural, but they have, like, better, like, like optics out there. So they they pay probably half as much for internet that is more consistent and better than ours is. Like that's that's what it like that's the fucking situation. So anyway, in college uh, up at at up at Delanaga, Georgia, the joke was Windstream. Yeah. That was uh that was the internet service provider was Windstream. I I forget who bought them because they're all the same now. They're all owned by AT and T or Comcast. But yeah. they were like a joke about how bad it was. And even the the Wi-Fi on campus was really bad. Like you had to have an Ethernet connection just to be able to sign up for classes. Yeah. Like it was it was r- ridiculous. And uh, we don't have to go deep into this, but like Cole, you're talking about like the rural areas not in America. Most of them don't have like good enough internet connection to even like do most of the things you have to do these days. And that just goes like shows how like typically people in rural areas are poor and there's a lot of other shit that's already stacked against them. Like the shitty internet connection is not another thing they need to be dealing with. And uh, without also getting into this part too much, uh, what came up as at my time working for this agricultural company is that there's like a huge push within the agricultural like sphere to get internet to the rural communities because that's where a lot of farmers are at. And today farming is all internet based basically like if you're not running internet based you're in the like very small percentage most of it is big like big corporate structures with they need internet it's just not provided out there so there's many reasons why even if you are a conservative you would push for the uh public internet to be available for everyone across the country and um also today in the news, I think you guys may have seen that uh, TikTok might be banned um, because supposedly, <laughs> inshallah, right? Like inshallah, like please. Um, anyway, go ahead. But but uh, fucking what's his face? The secretary for Trump, Pompeo, Mike Pompeo, uh, yeah. is like this TikTok man. It's Chinese. They're sending all the information to Chinese, and TikTok came out was like. Actually, none of this is true. Like all our data centers are in America or Singapore and like none of it actually goes to the Chinese government. But yet you have companies like Facebook that actually have been documented as selling yeah. that information. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's but, the thing. The State fine. Department, the State Department isn't interested in China collecting your data. They would rather you be on a video app where the CIA gets to collect your data. Mm-hmm. True. It's exactly. just sort of bad for business. Like, isn't that like Zoom? Isn't Zoom just like basically a CIA op or whatever, like an intelligence op? Like, where the like fuck just, did it come from? That's the real yeah. question. Like, this shit happens and it's like, oh, you have Zoom now. It's like, what, what, where, where was this service yeah. before the coronavirus? I had no clue it was a service. I'm going to say this and I don't mean it for real, but I kind of mean it for real. Like, most, okay. most big apps or internet based programs, like, you can trace them back to some company that has CIA funding in some way. Oh right? yeah. I mean, it just, that's just a fact of being on the fucking internet. Like, I don't know, like, yeah. Bring it full circle to intelligence. Like it's all, it's all a hall of mirrors. You never know what's actually happening. You never know what service you're using is actually doing. 
Yeah, they're all owned. Like if you if you like do like the fucking Russian nesting dolls, like eventually you'll get to like fucking Halliburton or something. I was gonna say like, like yeah. Foucault's like Panopticon just fucking like fully realized in the American surveillance state, right? Like there, someone's there is, always always there watching. Is a a intel like a data gathering company made by like all the fucking like Silicon Valley jerk offs called like Palantir. Like Palantir is a panopticon. It's like it's like Tolkien's idea of a panopticon. Like just a magic seeing stone. Isn't that, that just, Peter Thiel? Yeah, yeah, it's Peter Thiel. Yeah. Like Who who's a vampire. Like, yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> he's yeah. A literal he's, vampire. he's connected to all those like neo reaction dickheads, like I don't know, Nick Land's new scene. Peter Thiel thinks that like just him alone, not to mention all the other motherfuckers he knows, but him alone, like his ideas are death is like, I'm going to conquer death and I'm going to do that by like drinking the blood of like young twinks or whatever. Right. Which is not a gay joke. Like he probably like, like that's just like, you know, that's the freshest blood you can get out of. Right. Of, of is like of naked, you know, hairless boys, you know, that he just brings to his fucking mansion. That, I don't think I've ever mentioned this, but speaking of Peter Thiel, my um, uh, in undergrad, I took a class um, in like political philosophy and the guy leading like guy, the professor, uh, you know, talking about this shit, like was friends with Peter Thiel. He talked about how he was friends with Peter Thiel. Uh, and, fuck, dude. and it was like at the time, I didn't really know who he was, uh, but once I like heard the shit that like, he like drink likes to drink blood and all that, I was like, oh, oh fuck! I met someone who was literally like probably, I don't know, the guy probably met Epstein at some point too. Like if he's talking about how he's like you know buddies with Peter Thiel, like, and he's also dead now, so good. Okay. Can I ask like what what philosophers that professor like tended to emphasize or like liked a lot? We um, we talked about like a uh, actually a pretty big range. We went through it was actually kind of basic. I think now that I've I, I've heard of other philosophers, but we talked about. I think we talked. Uh, we started with you know Machiavelli or Machiavelli if you're cool, um, and then it was like just going through like yeah like Descartes like uh, Rousseau um, whoever did Le- uh, uh, Leviathan I can't I've heard his Hobbes. name Hobbes yeah Hobbes yeah Hobbes and then we talked about Marx too. Um, Nietzsche and um, the other guy who did like um, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but he was French. He did like Democracy in America, like where he oh, went. Oh, oh fuck! What was it? You know you're talking who I'm talking yeah, about, yeah. Um, so it was kind of like now now that I know about the different philosophers that people bring up, like Hegel. Like I would love to learn about like Hegelian dialectics and shit, but I didn't. I just learned like we. It was kind of basic. It was just this shit we, interspread with him being like, you know, Trump is like stupid, but also he's great. <laughs> he's cool when, for picking Neil Gore, Gore suck or whatever. But when anyway. we when we were in my critical theory class, we were talking about Heigl. We had to read Heigl before uh, just like an excerpt right uh, before Mark's talking about dialectics. And uh, everyone was like the teacher comes in. She's like, so um, who understood it? And like everyone was kind of like, 
And then she was like, yeah, that's good because that means you guys aren't like actually insane. Because <laughs> 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 like, I mean, obviously it's just like English majors, right? Like we're just kind of like you read either. Well, most English majors don't read. That's that's the key. But, but you, you read uh, once through yeah. and you're like, okay, I'm going to analyze this like once through or whatever. But like with Heigl, you know, it's kind of like you can't really do that. You have to sit with it a little bit. You have to kind of delve a little deeper than the basic. Just I'm gonna read it once and get through with it. But yeah, it was just kind of funny. And then um, we had a uh, we had a philosophy minor in the class, and she was just like, "Yeah, Heigl's on some different shit, man." <laughs> <laughs> also, I think the translation uh, may may not have. Uh, may not have been to Hegel's benefit, honestly. I think Hegel is someone who, like, I don't think anyone actually, like, reads him in, 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 like, the entirety of one of his books. Correct. I think, I think, like, each generation, like, has someone who basically is the interpreter of Hegel. So, like, (laughs) you know, in, like, in the 20th century, like, French scene, it was Kojif, you know, lecturing on the phenomenology of spirit. And now... Of course, for better or for worse, we have Zizek, and he's basically like Hegel. Like, I mean, he's he's the guy who everyone now references when they're talking about Hegel. Like, I yeah. I don't think I'll ever end up reading Hegel. I've got a couple of his books that I found <laughs> for free or cheap. Yeah, probably won't read him, but I'll certainly read another Zizek book on him. Right. Well, Zizek's actually got a new book coming out on Hegel, the Hegel and the Wired Brain. Yeah, I'm actually pretty interested in that. It sounds cool. Ha, have you read Zizek's uh, magnum opus that he claimed, the the uh, uh, nothing, nothing? The yeah, have you read no, that? No, that's one. Ah, man, like thinking about devoting a thousand pages to to uh, a, a book by Zizek sounds kind of tough to me. Although, like <laughs> I like I read um, Ticklish Subject mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, sublime object of ideology, which were fantastic. Yeah. But just a thousand pages sounds tough, dude. Like that just, uh, that's a long time. Yeah. I was, tr- I started reading it. I got on page like 85 or something and I'm like, I need to like put this down and come back to it. You know, like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I agree. He's very much like the, the modern day Hegel. He's very much, he's very similar. Uh, a lot of his writing is, is pretty, pretty dense and, and, yeah, and he he's like he throws everything plus the kitchen sink in this book. Like, there's it's like a fucking textbook. It has like breakdowns of like here's where I talk about this, 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 and this. It's like all right, shit. Yeah, but here's See, the thing: like Zizek, yeah. Zizek is more fun than Hegel, though. Like, Agreed. I remember the yeah. edition of uh, of the Sublime Object of Ideology that I have. The whole like intro to the new edition or whatever is like mm-hmm. about is like relating Hegel's system to shitting and then flushing down a toilet. <laughs> like that was the. I mean, yeah. it was beautiful. Like he, he is very fun. Yeah. He, he, he's, yeah, he's a very, uh, he's a very funny and fun guy, especially like with the pop culture references and like, I love, uh, have you, have you seen, um, uh, was it Pervert's Guide to Cinema or Pervert's Guide to Ideology? I love Pervert's Guide to Cinema where he's talking about, uh, how Jaws, he's like, everything is ideology and Jaws, that's ideology. This is ideology. <laughs> yeah. What is ideology in Jaws? What is, he saying? Uh, what is it? Like, like the, the shark is like the, the, the yeah, the fear Right, like the shark is the like the fear of the the other the unknown. Right, you have to defeat the below the surface level. Like it, it's below the surface level, and it only surfaces, and that's when you see true fear. And like the 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 end is where you have to have the hero kill. He has to overcome that. Right. So I was gonna say about Heigl, is uh yeah we have our yeah every age has its like uh 
uh, interpreter. Like for me, uh, my interpreter was Fallout New Vegas. Uh, because there's a, there's a conversation you can have. I've mentioned this before, but you can a conversation you can have with um, like Caesar, uh, who's like the main antagonist, where he'll just explain Heigl to you, like dialectics to you. And I'm like, cool. I don't have to read shit now. <laughs> I just play Fallout. Yeah, yeah. No, for I mean for real. Like, and that also shows like um, not to be like the typical gamer nerd, but like <laughs> the level of writing between like. Like just New Vegas, which came out in like '09 or whatever, and like Fallout 4, or just any kind of, uh, like game in that vein, is um, just pretty like fucking uh, 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 like just apparent. Like the gap there. Like anyone like at Bethesda, like they don't have any fucking time to put any because they have to like code in, uh, you know, like realistic gore and shit. They have to like make their uh, animators sit in front of like eight hours of just people getting their heads blown off so they can get the chunks correct. Like if you suggest to them, like, Hey, maybe there should be like some like deep political discourse thrown in. They'd be like, get the fuck out of here. We have two weeks and the game is 25% done. We have to get it out. We have to get it out now. Yeah. I like, uh, I like looking at, uh, cause I, I do game occasionally, but I like looking at the gaming scene, like as a, as a, uh, like a microcosm of like capitalism, just like ultra capitalism, right? Because, you know, it's definitely, it's, it's focused on like high productivity at the expense of the workers. And then also it's just like, uh, well, we met sales goals, time to fire everybody. You know? <laughs> like, no, for real. It's like, yeah. All right. We've, the game's done. We've sold more copies of the game than we've ever sold before, mm-hmm. but our, market share only grew by two percent and we were predicting it would grow by four so uh half of the the company has to go um that's literally like like literally people saying well yeah profit isn't the the best uh you know isn't like the only signifier of success anymore so it's not just making money anymore it's did you like the fucking leviathan you are did you swallow up enough of the market that you want did your like 14th battle royale game you know break the algorithm and if it didn't then you have to like burn the house down and sell it for like insurance money yeah exactly and occasionally Uh, you get a a good game like horizon zero dawn did you guys did you guys ever like i don't toto i don't know if you like gaming or like to play games or whatever do you like gaming or so i I like question. Yeah, like I, I played some computer games as a kid, but my parents would never buy me like a like a console. So I like would play like Halo and Call of Duty at my friends' houses until like I bought a 360 so we could play at my house. But I never did alone. But my my my, my girlfriend right now is getting me and she she likes the game and she's getting me into Fallout. So we've been like awesome. alternating on that. And it's yeah. fun, dude. I just like I just never like had the impulse to sit down and do it on my own, but I really do enjoy it with other people. Yeah. I, I was going to say like, I don't know if you guys remember watching like documentaries when you were kids about people who like made games or whatever, but it was yeah. always like, it was always like uh footage and they're like, look, the, the developers like, like sleeping under their desk to like yeah. make this game or whatever. And they have like a little cut out and you're like, Wow, like as a kid, you were like, wow, that's awesome. Like, he must love his job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as a kid, you're like, wow, that's awesome. And then you read Marx and you're like, the alien nation that we all feel is crushing under capitalism. And you're just like, this is fucking awful. <laughs> what you didn't see in that is like, 
you know, they're sleeping. I can't afford fucking insulin for his dying child. Yeah. And there's like a guy, there's like some guy in the camo with like a fucking AK just walking around making sure, like, you know, checking over their shoulder, being like, I don't know, that guy, there's some clipping on that shirt. We got to stay here another four hours. <laughs> you got to fix that. Yeah. There's many like sectors of the economy that would really benefit from unionizing. Yes. And gamers, like people who produce games, it's like the it's like gamers. The <laughs> one example because they're like the fucking children in the coal mines. They're like you're gonna work 16 hours a day, and you like mentally unstable. It's not healthy. It's not productive. But we're gonna do these crunch times, and it's just it's just like literally like we're in this new territory that no one knows how to regulate. So right. instead of like enacting gradual regulations, they're just like, "Whoa, buddy, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do anything. We're not gonna touch that." Do you think that? Uh, so, so one of the other things that like came up this week is the the White Fragility book, mm-hmm. right? Do you think that the the author of the White Fragility book, who goes around like doing racial sensitivity training or whatever, do you think she enjoys her job, like just going in there and, and like all the fucking imp- like, because because that's the thing, like that's the whole thing that I was trying to get at is like. You know, you used to when you were a kid, you saw like either movies or documentaries or whatever. And you're like, wow, these people must really love their job to do this. But then you realize like and then you realize like, well, no, they probably don't. And there was a lot of like, I think I don't remember who said someone on left Twitter. They said that movies used to be about like just absolutely loving your job. And now it's like because no one loves their jobs, there's no more movies about that. (laughs) Yeah. It used to be like, oh, look at this like lawyer or look at this what like teacher or whoever, and they all like love their careers, but because like capitalism's so alienating that like I mean it's always been alienating, but like because it's like reached the nth degree now, it's like well no one enjoys having to go to this like soul some people do, but no one enjoys going to like soul crushing like labor, right, that we have now, especially like in the uh in the economy as it is now. Um but yeah, I'm, I'm wondering if like getting paid a bunch of money to be like being white's evil. I wonder if you enjoy that. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. Have you guys heard the author actually speak on this? I've never heard her. I've heard excerpts from her. Like Chapo mm-hmm. was talking about excerpts from yes, her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and uh, from what it seemed like, and I think I tweeted it out today. It that seems like the worst because the, it sounds like the worst way you could do something like that. Because, like, whenever a company, like, even my company, whenever a company just, like, pushes something down someone's throat, it's usually, like, to the detriment of, like, whatever they're trying to push, right? So, we have this thing called, like, engagement to 100 or something that they implemented at work, and they're like, oh, workers aren't engaged at work, which is, like, of course, we fucking throw... We throw boxes for 12 hours. Yeah, we're not engaged, right? And, and they're like, okay, well, now, like, you have to do extra work. So it's like, oh, you're part of the clean team. So you have to, like, clean or whatever. You have to take 30 minutes every, every week to clean. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, this does the exact opposite. Like, I hate my job well, yeah, more and I'm less engaged. And so I was thinking, like, this girl who goes around and being like, all right, well, we have to do, like, this racial sensitivity training to tell, like, white people they're evil or whatever – I'm wondering, I'm pretty sure that would have like the opposite effect, especially like at workers, like they'd be like, why, why does this, why does this matter? You know? Yeah. She, she describes like moments where, and like uh, Chapo did do like a full episode on, on the book. And I think um, it's good as far as getting like a, 
Um, yeah, because they do read sections from the book, so it's uh, good about like you can get you can sort of experience parts of the book without actually having to buy it and like fucking read it. Um, but yeah, and like she describes moments where like people get angry and yell and all this stuff, or like um, get offended at what she's saying, and and her sort of thesis is that this is like part of what she calls white fragility, which is um, this like reactionary um, response to sort of any insinuation that, um, you know, racism is exists and that white people are all complicit in and like have like, um, like, are like, what if her uh, thesis is that like white people just, it's implicit. Like we all, and there's no way to escape it. And which is interesting because that is like, um, as far as like, any hope of having like interracial like or uh yeah interracial like cooperation i mean that would erase any sort of like if if that's the truth then there's no possibility for solidarity because you know we just have um uh this implicit thing that can never really truly be fixed like and her um um strategy is to like tell them well you just have to constantly you have to constantly be a hyper aware of you, uh, of your like race and your privilege and all this stuff. And you have to constantly work on it and you have to, and it's like, if it's bad, if you feel bad, that's good. And it's like, I don't see like selling this message that like racial, like intel, like having intelligence about like racial dynamics should be bad, like a slog and should hurt. Like, I don't see how that could like is helpful. Cause it's like, you know, like telling someone, um, yeah, so since you're white, you kind of have to do this self-evaluation and you have to be very, very hyper aware. Anytime you talk to a black person, you have to be like, you have to like, and like she, I remember seeing like uh, her detailing an, uh, a situation where like she said something to like a black uh, uh, coworker and they got annoyed. And so she took them aside to be like, how may I fix, would you permit me to allow myself to fix my racial comment? And it's like, like what the, like just like creating this like Byzantine layer of like uh, between people, like you just can't talk to them like a real person. You have to, um, you have to make it clear that I'm a white person talking to you who are black, you're black and I'm not black, you're black. Um, and yeah, I just I, like like seeing like this strategy is just like yeah, just like self-flagellation to to a certain extent. Like you have to self-flagellate yourself. And I mean, if I'm someone, even if I'm amenable to like learning about like racial dynamics, something like that, it's a, it would be a massive turnoff, especially for people who are like being drugged into a, a meeting room. Right. Which is all she's doing. She's like, it's for corporations. So she brings people in here. They don't want to be there because you just want to get to work and go home. Right. But you have to sit into this in this room for two hours and yeah, have someone lecture you about this and do it in a way that if she gets a reaction out of you and you get angry, she thinks that's good. She thinks that that's proof that it's working. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who is just like, this is bullshit. Like I want to go home. Um, and some of them, like, you know, like I, I imagine some people who are just explicitly racist who don't want to be there and be told that. Sure. Right. But at the same time, if 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 that person 
is responding to your thing with just outright rage, like they're not listening, then what is the point of it? Other than it's just expose them as being this way, right? Like that's, and which has probably been apparent before, right? So is the point just to, to goad them out, to goad them into like being racist out in front of everyone? Or is it like, yeah, or is it to just like literally just be like, oh, if the company has a racial incident, they can be like, well, you can't sue us because we had this um, little meeting and everyone knew uh, that you shouldn't be racist. So this happening, it's not on us. So you can't sue us about it. Yeah. So the the whole hearing hearing her actually talk about her own book, um, she there's a YouTube clip back when the book because the book was launched back in 2018. Like it didn't come out this year. It's just right. because of current events and our uh, yes. political climate, people are talking about it more. And um, and so hearing her talk about it back in 2018 in Seattle when she was giving like her book tour is is a lot different um, than how kind of Chapo talked about it. And I think Chapo did really hit on some some great points. Uh, she talks a lot about how racism isn't an individual thing. It's it's a systematic thing and that the problem is in america everything's so hyper individualized that there's a racist person right there's a we try to form this binary where it's a good person who's not racist and it's a bad person who is racist and how right it's muddled and that we live in a system of racism not that any one individual person is or isn't racist necessarily um, and so I think she hits on some really good points about like we need to acknowledge like our society and our culture that we live in and, and not just focus on individuals um, and how as she she says that this is a book for white progressives. She's not really talking to anybody else. She's talking to like, yeah, she and she labels progressive just anybody who thinks they're woke, basically. So. That was kind of interesting. And basically what I got from her was that she was saying, if you think you're woke, like you're that you're more dangerous and more likely to commit like I hate to bring up this term, but microaggressions essentially um, than your average person just because you think you've solved racism. And she thinks that's super dangerous to think that you've you've like that's kind of where she keeps going back to like you always have to be aware of it because she realizes like how hard you, it's a contradiction almost in her own mind in that she has, she doesn't acknowledge there's other systems outside of capitalism because she, she's just operating in the system and she's come to the, the rational conclusion is that everybody all the time will actually always be racist because the system is racist and there's no way to get around that. But it's like, if well, she doesn't she think that like race racism is like an inherently like instead of like a learned behavior, I guess, or like a, a it's it's a benefit of existing in the system. Like that's yeah. racist. Is, yeah, is, think... is being a white person in the system, you're you're automatically have like unconscious superiority bias. Right, but I think that one of the problems that she that it is within that it presents is that it's like a race race and racism is this ethereal like entity almost like it, it will always exist and won't ever go away. Like Cole, you were saying that she was, she, she was like, Oh, well like, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're never going to not be racist. So you have to constantly be, you know, actively like thinking about it and like pursuing it, especially when you're talking to a person of color. 
Um, whereas like, you know, uh, whereas most like of us as leftists, like would be consider ourselves materialists, like Toto, I'm not sure how you feel about it, but like, um, like as a materialist, you know, you kind of look at it and you say, well, racism is inherently like, like tied to material conditions and material reality. I don't like, what, what are your thoughts on the, on the, the disc on the discourse of the book, at least like, I don't think any of us have read it. So, but yeah, I mean, so yeah, as a white guy who has not read the book, I'll offer up some, <laughs> yeah. some choice opinions. No, um, less expert. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, but so I don't, I don't know where she's coming from. Um, all I know is like, I, mean, I could talk about just like how I see racism coming up and how I see it like manifesting um, in the world. And so I would say like the two formative books for me, for understanding like what racism is and like how 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 like race or nationality um, uh, uh, intersects with capitalism would be um, Harry Haywood's autobiography Black Bolshevik. Um, okay. Highly 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 recommend that book. Um, could not recommend it enough. Um, and uh, Settlers by Jay Sakai which is constantly memed and also constantly sort of like looked down on by a lot of like ostensibly left-wing people. And I think it, it, anyone, anyone who reacts that way, it kind of shows me that they probably haven't read the book. Um, mm -hmm. Just like the way its positions are, um, are sort of like distorted. Uh, so uh, uh, what, Sak what Sakai proposes is that basically like, I mean, because of, the the way our this country sort of materially came together, you know, it was settlers coming in um, and oppressing both the native population while bringing in uh, slaves from other nations. Mm -hmm. um, this country was obviously founded on white supremacy. So from the very right. beginning, there's racism there, but it doesn't mm -hmm. just go away after uh you know slaves are freed whatever black people have like they can be a lawyer or whatever um that along the the entire way throughout that history um every time there's been a potential gain um for oppressed populations in america there's been a corresponding like violent backlash um yes. and this isn't just you know the clan like they, like what what what's especially revelatory about sakai's book is that it's the left-wing movement too so uh you know he what was what was really eye-opening for me was um the learning about the union uh movement in the 1800s in out, out west where there was a big japanese and and, and chinese population i mean those unions were basically organized around let's kill those Japanese and Chinese people yeah. that are taking our jobs. So, you know, and then, you know, all of the like 1930s union movements where like we start to celebrate, look, black and white workers are coming together. You know, Sakai paints a different picture. Like it was, you know, integrations of the unions were really sort of happening like in a very cynical way. You know, it was white leadership who was realizing like, oh, in this key industry, in this area, we aren't going to be able to win any union battles unless we um, uh, uh, bring in black workers as well. And then as soon as those black workers don't have a purpose for the union anymore, they're discarded and forgotten about. So that's all to say there is a clear material basis for racism. But I think mm -hmm. the problem is when people try to emphasize, you know, you know 
you know, you got to look at, at racism materially. That's often, and I'm not saying always, but that's often a way of saying, you know, we can have, all we need to do is have a universalist socialist program. Once people are fed and have enough money, racism goes away. And I don't think yeah. that's true. Sure. I don't, yeah. I, I don't it, think yeah. that goes away at all. And, and, and then that's when Harry Haywood's uh, autobiography really was, was meant a lot to me in that, you know, well, he, he was very, very, very um, key in, in, in coming up with the idea of the black belt. So like, not like national self-determination for the black community within the black belt, which is the South, um, a, a lot of states in the South. And so I think when you're talking about how to materially get beyond racism, um, again, I don't think like a universalist socialist program is going to do that. So like mm -hmm. you need, there are key demands like self-determination, like leadership, uh, of, oppressed communities. So, so, uh, so I, again, I think you have to have a material reading of rate of, of racism, mm -hmm. but that's not like often, again, that's, that's just a means of, of, of just hand waving it away and saying that we can just forget about that. Sure. Yeah. yeah if, I, yeah. I, I, think I think you'd all be agree in agreement with that. Yeah. yeah I, I agree with that. I think there's like a, I think there's a, a, a bad, like I think there's, I hate to use, I'll sound like a liberal. I think there's a good like material <laughs> reading and a bad material reading where like the good material reading is to realize that racism is a thing. And like you said, it's not going to uh, magically go away if we have, uh, you know, like you said, like a universal socialist system. Um, but like it's, 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 uh, you know, I, I've always said that like, especially in America, like racism is inherently tied to like capitalism because like that, the, the, the slave slavery was a way to greatly increase capitalist production and to, and to, to, to say, look, poor whites, you're actually better than poor blacks, right? Like you, it's a, it, you know, we're going to make this into law. We're going to say that, that, that the, as a white person, you're inherently better than this like black person. Um, and then there's the bad reading of it, uh, which I guess, you know, I'm saying mine good, you're bad. But there's the bad like <laughs> Amy Therese like reading where it's like yeah. racism literally doesn't matter at all. Yeah, fuck her. Just, yeah. yeah, exactly. Mossy bitch. Yes. Yeah, go, go ride your well, kangaroo. And that's the, the weird thing. Ocean. That's the weird thing is like I was telling uh, Josh and Cole uh, uh, a little bit a while ago. I would say it's really weird how like fucking virulently racist Australians are like who, who are super <laughs> into like America. It's so weird. Like there's this entire Facebook group. That's like, like, Oh, like it's one of those like cry liberal, whatever groups or whatever. And it's like talking about Trump Pence and like all the members are Australian and they're all like, well, why does, why does 13% or 15% or of the population commit 70% of the crimes? Look at those statistics, you know, those types yeah. of people. Right. And, and I think, I think to, like as a leftist, one I don't think she's a leftist, but but like as a yeah, yeah she's definitely just a conservative. But one of the things is like, you know, you see this this uh yeah oh well well race literally doesn't matter. So no, that's not true. You know, cops don't when cops pull a person when they pull me over, they look at me differently than a than a black person or a Hispanic person or whatever, right? They look at race. They don't look at they don't look at to see how much money is in that person's wallet they they look at the race and it's it's they've definitely been been trained to do that you know and and that that's something that we have to like realize again is inherent in this the the system and and that's that's the thing like a good materialist reading 
of that would be okay. Well, well, you know, racism racism has been so ingrained within the American capitalist system that even if we tackle capitalism and destroy capitalism, like that's uh, hopefully that would be the you know the the goal, the end goal. But it, we we also need to handle racism at the same time right we need to because like the thing a lot of racists that that like i personally know like living in georgia you know you you meet a lot of racists but like like a lot of racists i personally know are people who have uh who, who would be conducive and, and would be willing to adopt like a socialist position but they've been so ingrained that like the the african-american population are the ones that don't work hard and those are the those are the vampires on the system instead of the the the, the reaganite doctrine of uh those are the 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 welfare, welfare queens exactly yeah and those are the people and why should i work hard and whatever and then you know you talk to them about you say well what about your bosses like they're stealing your wage labor and you know a lot of times they'll be like yeah yeah and but they'll still have this like in the back of their head they'll have this thing where they, they inherently think you know, well, there's a couple of good ones. You know, I've heard hear that a lot. You know, mm-hmm. not all of them are bad. Um, but if you there, just there's talk, a difference. There's a difference between a black and an N word. That's a, a famous. That's one a I've huge heard. one. Yeah, that's a yeah. huge thing that a lot of people down here say. But unfortunately, but uh, I hear it less think, and less, thankfully. But yeah, well, it gets work, work uh, in a factory. Work in a factory. So You'll hear really, really quickly to just to just sum up the book. That the 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 re- what Robin says about why white progressives are so dangerous and very fragile is we found more sophisticated ways of masking our racism and pretending to be woke while still continuing out like the same racist thoughts and uh, I thought those were some really good points and I think they're actually I don't think the rea- Twitter reaction is the correct one to just be vehemently deny this book any like say i think it's a capitalist writer and if you're expecting a socialist analysis of it that this is not the book for you but under capitalism i think she does really come to the correct uh correct idea that hey this is a system that can't be dismantled um and the fall of the book is that she doesn't take it a step further and start being more introspective of Okay, I've I've said these diversity trainings don't work. Like her job, she basically says, is a joke. It doesn't work. She admits that it doesn't make anybody less racist or change the system. She realizes we have to have outcomes saying nice words and reading books don't change anything. We have to have actual outcomes. But because she still operates in the capitalist framework, she reaches a dead end where you can know you can't yeah. go any further. And I think that is kind of the frustration with this book is that she does stop there and doesn't go further. But again, if you're getting mad, it's just because she's not addressing it in a like a socialist framework. I want to push back on that just a little bit. No, yeah, I don't want to say this. I think I think that uh, like along with Hamilton, like we were saying, right? Like, and again, you know, uh, I think you know Toto made the great point. Just you know, like what you like, nobody's pop culture's perfect or whatever nobody's cultural or artistic tastes are perfect but um i think the biggest problem with white fragility is that as a book is that it makes it say okay well well there's two there's a couple things that, that that comes from it is one is the the fact that like you always have to be thinking about race relations and i think that is bad in in terms of like 
if you if I'm sitting there talking to like an African American person, then I'm going to be talking to them like a person. I'm not going to be talking to them like an African American person. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm not going to think of the 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 dynamic structure because that's how you you build relationships, and that's honestly how you kind of get past like racist tendencies. It's just to talk to people, and and, and you know like once you just talk to them, it's like, wow, okay, this is, you know, these people are fantastic. You know, um, I'm talking about like, like friends and stuff, like friends I have at work, you know, you sit there and you, you talk to them and, and I, I don't ever, we don't ever bring up race because like, it doesn't matter. Right. To like us. Cause we're friends. Like, and it'd be and, hella and, awkward. And, like, and, yes. and the warehouse so too. Like, uh, yeah, it's a good point in that you like focusing on things that like, uh, unite people as far as like solidarity, like, like if you're in a warehouse, the th- the thing you all have in common is that you're doing backbreaking shitty labor. Yeah, and that's something to focus on. As far as if you want to get them organized, like that's something to focus on. Versus like, yeah, like if, instead of like focusing on say, you know, you're it, it, despite the fact that it's important to keep in mind, but instead of being like, well, yeah. We we all have this in common, but also I have white privilege. It's like you do, but that's that shouldn't be the forefront of your of your interaction. That's not my. That's yeah. That's not my relationship, right? That the, yeah. my my relationship to with them isn't as a white man talking to like a, a black chick or a white man talking to like a Hispanic man or whatever, right? It's not that. Like my relationship is me as a person relating to them as a person. Um, and I think that's one of the drawbacks of, of her rhetoric. But I also think I think that one of the uh, biggest drawbacks as well is that one, she says that there's no solving it. So what's the so so it gives, mm-hmm. it gives liberals a pass. Right. There's no solving it. But like we can be better than the evil Republicans. Right. And I think that's a, I actually do think that's a dangerous message. And the reason why I think that's a dangerous message is because if you just say, OK, well, like it gives you a pass almost. It gives you like a, a well, you know, I, I can still hold these beliefs because she said. You know, she's like, there's no getting past it, right? Like you're inherently, if you're a white person, you're inherently racist. So there's no getting past it. And there's a lot of people, again, who like I know, who will say, you know, um, who will have these thoughts, right? These racist thoughts. And they'll, they'll, they'll act like it's an inevitability. And that's the thing. And they'll never get past it. They'll never sit there and, and talk to a, a, a person of color. They'll never talk to a person who's, you know, uh, non-binary or, or trans or, or any of that. They'll never talk to those people because they, they just think it's inevitable an inevitability that they will hate them. Um, and I think that's a dangerous rhetoric. That's the last thing I want to say on the book. Yeah. My, my, I'll keep my reaction short is that, um, her, Josh, you, you mentioned that she sort of is like, well, it's a systematic issue. That's not, which is, yeah. Like recognizing that, but the, what what frustrates me is that you'll have plenty of like progressives say that talk on and on and on crow on and on and on about systematic racism, and I'm like, what's the system? Can you tell me what the system <laughs> is you're referring to? Because they never fucking do. They'll never follow yeah. up with that, right? They institutional. What's the institution? Like point to mm-hmm. me. You know, like tell me what this system is, what's this, what this institution is that is so racist. Because they're and two they steps away from saying capitalism, but they won't admit it. Because they don't, like, that's not really the connection that they make. They just, uh, they just know that that sounds good. It sounds good to say that it's not an individual problem, it's a systematic problem. But they don't actually know what the system is. And this, this individual as well, writing this book, 
like her it, it, it it's like okay if her if she was really like uh, to me intellectually honest about this is that also like from her book she never really addresses the relationship she has with these people like mm-hmm. she never really addresses the fact that she is brought in by a corporation to do this diversity training so she is representing someone right she's representing management she's representing corporate in all these meetings with these people that's who she is she's not like a person just having a, a chat with them she is someone who could determine if they keep their jobs or not if they fuck up this training right which is why which is why they don't work because if you're smart in these meetings you'll you won't say anything you'll keep your mouth shut you will keep you'll just get through this meeting right because if you do end up like and then the people who like explode are like the ones who don't have the like the the fucking uh, sense not to like because yeah. they just they just let they just let their they're probably unfiltered in real life so they just let that their that down and they scream and get all fucking pissy about it when in reality if they were smart you just would just sit there and nod and just wait for it to be over and um and again, it gets to the fact that that's her, that was her role in this. So as far as like why didn't it work, that's probably a big part of why it doesn't work. It's because she's representing management. She's not representing a person that they know and trust, who they who they can trust is speaking to them on like a um, uh, speaking to them in good faith and on an equal level, right? They're, it's some bitch they brought in at eight in the morning that they have to sit through before they can go back and like clack on their computers or whatever. So if she was, yeah, if she's really like, why is it in work? It's probably because of that. You know, I would, that's what I would guess. Not that the people are so unwilling to change that you can't get through them. Is that you're, they don't, they don't fucking know you, you know, why should they trust anything you say? Your management, your, you know, again, like, why would they trust you in this case? Why would they want to believe in what you're saying? When, if they fuck up, you can make sure they don't get to like, that they are, that they're left without a job. Don't they talk about that on Chapo that someone actually did get fired from one of her like meetings? Quite yeah. possibly. Um, like that's you know, so, again, that's like scary if you're sitting and again, I I'm not saying that someone should be allowed to be like racist in their workplace. Like it's not the point. It's it's like if that occurs, like you're not gonna prevent something like that from happening, not most likely. So, you can you can uh-huh. tell people the consequences that will happen if they act that way, but you're not gonna like like you know this is not really a, a preventative measure, I don't think. Um, mm-hmm. it, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So I was gonna say I think we should wrap up, folks. Yeah, I think likely. we should wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, Toto, unless you have any closing thoughts about no, anything. I'll say readsettlers.org um, and if you want a PDF of Black Bolshevik, DM me. Okay. And do you have anything, Toto, do you have anything to plug? Just plug your Twitter handle or anything that you want to talk about to um, end it? Yeah, sure. Follow me on Twitter at the young man, young man, Y-O-U-N-G-M-A-N 669. And then also follow my recently banned brother in posting let's get his at uh at big idiot redux (laughs) follow him okay (laughs) all right well i think that's a good pod guys i think it's a good stopping place thanks for coming on man thanks for for having me it was fun